today is back boss and beckler we are here for you and we got some great news for you if you missed the news the boss man show is now on radio public now john we're also on deezer we on spotify now john we've had three of three mobile radio footage john just this year brother in deezer radio public and spotify especially spotify's a big one because they are big in the streaming business john you've been you've been a busy man this year brother yeah, yes, I have. Yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed. I mean, the show is growing. The show does itself pretty much. And it's, John, I have some gratification in knowing. Folks, let me tell you something. John Beckler is the program director behind the scenes here. <laughs> his, his, <laughs> his ideology is why we have the format we have today. He is the background program director of the Boss Man Show, is John Beckler. And the show does itself with John's great ideas and is listener-friendly. Rather than putting a full block together, we give you an hour block of each hour of content. So before you get your hour one and your hour two, and you get your guest an hour one, and we have our fun in hour two with, Jay, with JC. Donnie we dropping off here in the next week, but... He'll be back hot that's both his season when he come back up again. So pretty much you will have content guest hour one, boss report emails, JC hour two, and the show does itself, John. And it's gotta be it's lovely to know each week it pretty much the show can do itself. Well and we'll still be able to give you uh updates from donnie as the year goes on you know because we'll always be chatting with him via text message and on the phone and whatnot so we'll be we'll be hooking you up with uh you know donnie's takes on some things you know we'll we'll uh we'll make sure we clean them up for radio consumption right <laughs> yes yes because uh, donnie's texts are very uh let's say they're not very uh radio friendly <laughs> <laughs> no but they're very informative <laughs> very much so <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely man the show's i'm i'm having a good time this year it's fun it's been a fun year can you believe it's already uh pushing april i mean this this weekend sunday is april 1st man first quarter is already over it's cooking first quarter is already over and you know it's fun and people have been asking me about what happened with the, uh, with the, with the affiliate i don't want to talk about it let's just say it John and I know when it's time to pull to pull the plug. That's what I won't say. <laughs> you know, without going in details or making it a big scene, let's just say John and I know when to, when, when to pull the plug. As you all well, know, we pull the plug on 1100 Atlanta at the right time. We pull the plug on this at the right time. John, do you want to add anything else there or leave it at that? I would just say that we, we have experience and we can see when things aren't going the way that we want them to go. And rather than go down that road any further, it's best to just, you know, sometimes get hit, hit the hit the next off ramp. Hit the next off ramp, Jr. When you when you miss your exit <laughs> on the highway, you just gotta get get the next one and spin it around, brother. Exactly. So, and you see, since we've left the affiliate, the show's quality has not dipped any. You see, the guests we've been booking, fans. So, don't think that because the four hours gone, the show's gonna get worse. Just, I'm not going to complain about the four hours. Let's just say trying to book four hours every week was, it wasn't hard. It just became tougher. So now we can condense it two hours. You know, we get the best of the best each week. 
and John, you can speak to it. I was busting my butt to get the chat show book, but we did it though. But it's but, a more cleaner it, two hours. Yeah. And what people don't maybe not recognize, like it, if you, for instance, if there's a if your your favorite everyday morning drive sports show has guests on periodically throughout the course of the week, right? So they might do three hours a, a day from Monday, you know, Monday through Friday. Well, if if you're on a, a bigger affiliate station, or if, or if you're a nationally syndicated guy that's been doing this for 20 years and you've got a, a big time reputation for instance say like rome dudes are calling rome to get on his show you know it's not a lot of trouble booking that show and you can get whoever you want but you know we have to work a little bit harder at it specifically jr's got to work a little harder at it so booking four hours every week isn't always the easiest thing to do you know exactly and so just know we pulled it off thank god we have thank god we have good content and good friends to cover segments for us but it was a great experience i wouldn't mind doing it again but i just need a bigger platform to do it on where it won't be such a, a cumbersome effort to book the guest so i want to share that with you listeners so you all can understand the thinking behind our moves here this early part of the first quarter of the year but still we have audio booms even doing a lot better uh we have our iheart radio doing great uh, YouTube is doing good. Facebook is growing as well. Instagram's growing. Twitter's growing as well. So, John, all around, we have growth here. I love the growth we're having. And just to, to know where the show started from and to where I can sit here in 2018 and say, hey, I've seen this show grow from nothing to this and go through two affiliates that pretty much were not what we needed them to be. And still, the show's not missed a beat which tells me we have a solid foundation here at the Boss Man Show to move forward and move and do great things for your listeners and bring you quality content every week, limitations aside. I'm, I'm still tripping that it's almost April, bro. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe how fast it went through the beginning of this year, man. It's already pushing up on playoff basketball time. Exactly. So, yeah, it's that time of year, people. So I hope you all enjoy the show and keep on watching the show. Keep on enjoying the show because it's going to get continue to get better. And I'm going to f- always fight like hell. That's the best guest here on the Boss Band Show. Coming up this hour, well, you'll hear from Sean Devaney. You'll hear from Russell Baxter and Tony T-Bone Williams. And in hour two, you will hear from Donnie Tindall. You will also hear from J.C. Smith. You will also hear the Boss Report and a batch of your emails. We here, baby. JR and John, so's rolling. Let's go. We out. Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www. 
academics and athleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404-542-607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. Sean Devaney out of Boston. Sean, what's up, my brother? Long time no speak, man. Well, I appreciate you having me. Indeed, I'd like to talk to you, my, my man. I want to start you off, Sean, with Warriors injuries. Like, uh, it's like, it's crazy between Steph, Andre Iguodala having his back issues, but still playing Draymond Green with a pelvis, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant. Uh, do you feel these injuries are actually going to help them down the road where they're not burning that fuel? They'll be playing these meaningless games here and making it worse and getting these bench guys like a Quinn Cook, getting a guy like a Nick Young, some run here, JaVale McGee, Damian Jones. Cause even though it hurts right now, I can tell you two seed, but down the road it could be performed with the guys I've been so taxed in May and June. Yeah, I think that they probably would be resting some of these guys anyways. Uh, so you know, a guy like Draymond, I think if, if these games that matter, if they're fighting for that number one seed, uh, he'd probably be out there. But I think Steve Kerr can read the writing on the wall and seeing, seeing how Houston has played, uh, you know, there's there, there's not much point in, 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 in going out and, and pressing these guys into playing when when he could really use the rest, as you say, uh, to be ready for May and June. So, so yeah, I think there's no, no doubt that with some of these guys, there's an aspect of that. However, you know, if, if, if you're talking about Iguodala's back, that's been an issue for him uh, the last few years. That's a concern. Certainly, Steph Curry uh, coming back from a, from a knee surgery, however minor, uh, you know, that's still a concern. Uh, he's going to have to try to come back during the playoffs, which is not something that, uh, uh, that anybody likes to do. He's done it before and done it successfully, but uh, it's not anything that, 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 that anybody likes to do. So, uh, you know, that, that, th- those concern me. Uh, but, you know, I think for the most part, you know, I, I think Clay Thompson would be out there uh, if, uh, if he were able to. You know, Durant might need a couple days off, but, but, but his isn't that big of a deal. Uh, I think the ones that worry me are Iguodala uh, and, and, and Steph Curry and, and whether that affects them uh, once the playoffs get rolling. So now you guys talked a little bit about these injuries. What about some potential tricky matchups they might have coming up in the first round? It looks like, um, you know, they they could have a little uh, curveball thrown at them here and there. What what do you make of that, Sean? Yeah, you know, I mean, I I think if they get Minnesota, they'll be fine. You know, if they get a team that doesn't have a whole lot of playoff experience like that, uh, even in the New Orleans, I think that they'd be all right. 
Uh, Utah would, would would scare me with the way that they played. If you go back to to January twenty fourth, I believe they're twenty three and four over that stretch. Uh, you know they've just been really uh, you know since late January they've been incredible. So uh, you know Utah would certainly scare me, and 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 they play with size. They play great defense. So so that's a matchup I wouldn't like if I were them. Uh, of course, uh, San Antonio I think uh, is always a, a tough matchup. They're always going to be uh, a playoff ready group. Uh, so that's not a, a team I'd like to see. Uh, and, you know, Oklahoma City, frankly, I, I think the Thunder uh, will be able to hang on to one of the higher seeds, you know, four or five, somewhere in that range. Uh, but, uh, you know, if they were happen to if they happen to slip down to seven, which is possible given how bunched up it is, uh, then, then I don't think that's a matchup that the Warriors really want to see either. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's the, the first round is not going to be a cakewalk for them, uh, especially if Steph Curry doesn't play as, as Steve Kerr says uh, uh, his guard, uh, his star guard will not be doing. Now, Sean, think of the talk about Houston here, Sean. They're towards pace about according to 10 straight games that they win tonight here. Uh, will they risk more gas down the stretch or chase the number of victories? Because I feel like the Houston Rockets may gas themselves out with this pace they're on right now with Harden and those guys wanting to play and Chris Paul hating to sit out on those guys. So are you concerned about Houston's pace, where they're going? It was going down in these last few games of the season here. Maybe get somebody hurt, I on fluke injury, trying to rack up wins just to get a record. Yeah, you know, I, when you look at Mike D'Antoni's history, he's never been a guy who likes to rest uh, players down the stretch. Uh, and, and, and that may have cost him, you know, when he was in Phoenix and, and, and some of those teams ran out of gas against uh, uh, San Antonio or teams like that. So I don't know if, if, if maybe he'll look back at the history there and, 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 and say, uh, you know, we've got to change our approach and, and we've got the number one seed, so, so maybe we should uh, uh, slow things down. Or, or certainly uh, Daryl Morey, the, the, the GM, and, and we know what he does with uh, crunching numbers and, 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 you know, looking over the history of uh, uh, how these things play out and, and and can show him the benefit of rest. So uh, I'd expect that that Houston would have learned something from uh, from, from, from the past, and uh, and that yeah, in the end you'll see them uh, rest some guys, especially as we get into April. So Sean, let's swing it over to the East and talk about Toronto a little bit. Um, poised to be first in the East, Boston looks like they're going to come in at number two. Can you know? I, I suppose either of these, you could answer either of those teams. Can they beat? LeBron and the Cavs four out of seven games um you know it's one thing to to take that top spot or second spot during the regular season but you know the Cavs and LeBron are kind of playoff battle tested now so winning four out of seven against LeBron and the Cavs how feasible do you think that is yeah, I'm. I'm not going to run to uh, run to Vegas and uh, and put down any bets against LeBron James in the playoffs against that Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, I I uh, uh, I just until somebody beats him, uh, it's hard to see uh, you know how it's going to happen because uh, you know it's been seven straight years and 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 what have we seen that makes us think that it won't be eight? You know, Boston uh, has suffered some injuries here obviously Kyrie Irving now uh they don't have Gordon Hayward of course all year uh Marcus Smart uh so they're 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 certainly thin uh Toronto I love what they've done in in terms of how they've changed their style of play it's been very effective uh they're much more of a ball sharing offense they play much better defense this year uh and that's great but what happens in the playoffs you know can you can you 
carry that into the playoffs uh, and 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 keep your keep your performance raised that way. That's not something we've seen them do in the past. So uh, you know, there's certainly question marks for them. And and both teams have the the big question mark is who guards LeBron. You know, who who are you going to put on him? Uh, that's 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 going to be a problem that every team in the East has until LeBron either retires or uh, or, or packs up and uh, and into LA or something. You know, so uh, that yeah, I don't I don't anticipate that problem going away. So as good as Boston has been, as good as Toronto has been, those teams have been resilient all year. I just don't see either one having the answer to the LeBron problem. So I think we're probably still looking at uh, uh, Cleveland, even if they come in with that three. Heck, they could even come in as a number four seed uh, if Philadelphia passes them. Uh, I, I still wouldn't bet against LeBron James, though, getting that team back to the final. Yeah, Sean Anthony here, Sport News with us on the Boss Man Show. And uh, Sean, uh, how would you grade the trades the Cavs made so far? These additional George Hill, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance, and those guys, and Jordan Clarkson. Uh, how you like their film? Do you think that's enough to make LeBron James say, hey, maybe I should stay here and not go to Philadelphia or L.A. or somewhere else? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the playoffs because we haven't really seen them with their whole group together. You know, we're just starting to see it now with Kevin Love back. Uh, with with Tristan Thompson back, and they're a much much better team when they've got that full roster. Uh, so it's been pretty hard to to, to sort of evaluate how these guys uh, uh, have fit and, and how good they'll be going forward. Um, you know, I thought the trades were great at the time, and and I would still say that even if even if they do peter out down the stretch here, uh, because you know when you look at where they were with Isaiah Thomas and, uh, and and guys like that, they just weren't getting anywhere, and and they weren't having much fun playing basketball either. So. Uh, you know, they have at least given themselves a jolt. They brought in, you know, three guys who are 25 years old and Clarkson, Nance, uh, and uh, and Rodney Hood. Uh, so you know that that does give you something to to go on in the future. They didn't give up that pick, the Brooklyn pick, so they could still wind up, you know, possibly with the top three pick in the draft and in, in, in what should be a pretty good draft this year. Uh, so yeah, I like I like very much what Cleveland did. I think that that one thing that they did is even if LeBron does leave, I don't think the bottom falls out. You know, I think they they get. And they got themselves enough young talent. Like I said, they kept that pick. So that what's going to wind up happening uh, is, uh, is is you'll still have some young guys to keep building around, even if LeBron does leave. So, Sean, let's uh, look at some of these coaches. Uh, it's that time of the year. We can start putting up some pictures on the wall of guys who are going to be in trouble at the end of the season. Who makes that list for you? Well, I think there. You know, we, we we didn't see a whole lot of coaching changes uh, in the last uh, in the last couple of years, uh, so I think a lot of that's going to come down uh, uh, this, this 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 coming year. Um, you know, certainly Jeff Hornacek in, in New York. I'd, I'd probably start with him. Uh, I think he's in some trouble. Um, you know, that's that's that really hasn't been a situation that's worked out, and and, and you've got to change in, in general managers, and and when you have that, usually they're going to want to coach in. Uh, on their own terms, uh, you know Frank Vogel is in that same situation uh, in Orlando. Um, you know if if something happens with the Pelicans and they don't make the playoffs, or if they if they if they completely flop, I think you could see Alvin Gentry uh, certainly on the firing line. Uh, so yeah, you know I mean I think you go through and 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 there's going to be some some uh, uh, some obvious names on there, uh, but there's still some question. Like I don't know what happens with Doc Rivers. You know if, I I don't know if uh, if they're going to look at this and say uh, okay, uh, you know he. He deserves another chance. He had us in playoff contention, uh, you know. You know, despite the fact that uh, uh, that they made the changes that they did in the Blake Griffin trade and all that. 
Uh, I, I'm interested to see, you know, that, that to me is the real question mark. Like I said, uh, you know, a guy like Vogel or Hornacek, I think, I think you can pretty much see the writing on the wall for those guys. Uh, but, but, you know, somebody, somebody like Doc Rivers, I think that's going to be a, a much more interesting situation. Now, Sean, we know what Tom Thibodeau does to people's legs, and we hear Jeff T complaining about it, Tyus Gibson, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, and Carlton Austin Tibbs needs to play the bench more. He starts averaging 34.8 minutes per game. When he, he, he ruined Derrick Rose's career by getting him injured in that late neck first-round series in 2012. I'm never going to forget that. I watched him like, man, this Thibodeau running man to the ground. And Derrick Rose is back there with the Timberwolves. I don't know why he's back there. I won't go near that man. But that's just me personally. But when's he going to learn that he can't gas his players out and run them to the ground like he's been doing? It's been trust been something. When all your starters are commenting about you and you doing this, when are you going to learn your lesson if you're Tom, Tom Thibodeau? Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's got a style that he coaches, and, and he hasn't changed it. Uh, and, you know, I, I agree that I thought that this was a deeper team this year and that he had more opportunities uh, to change it and, 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 and to rely a little more on the bench. They've had some injuries, but, you know, everybody has injuries. Uh, I thought there was much more opportunities to, to cut back on the minutes, you know, get them in the, in the 30 to 33 range for these guys uh, and, 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 and help them last throughout the year. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler's injury, I, I don't necessarily put that on, on, on Thibodeau, uh, but when you look what's happening to them uh, with Butler out, you know somebody's going to get hurt. Uh, uh, just, just that's the nature of the NBA. Uh, so you want to have guys at the end of March and, and, and April uh, who are ready for that, uh, for that grind, especially if they've got to make up for a teammate uh, who's not in there. So, you know, now you're watching and, and, and you're seeing these guys uh, lose games that they shouldn't lose and, and, and be in tough games. I mean, you know, they had a tough win over the, the Knicks the other night, which they needed quite a bit, uh, but they, you know, they had to struggle for that. They shouldn't be struggling to beat the Knicks at this point uh, with no Porzingis and a team that's pretty much given up. Uh, but, but, but that's, you know, that, that's sort of the, the, the net effect of this is, um, you know, you wind up uh, uh, in a situation, you, you know, and, and, and you can say Derrick Rose and, and all those other things, but, but just in, in, in the fact of how you want your team playing at this time of year, you just don't see that from, uh, from, from the Timberwolves right now. Uh, and, uh, and I agree with you. I think, uh, I think Thibodeau bears some, some responsibility for that uh, just for the, the, the number of minutes he's put on these guys. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of the Knicks, they can't even tank, right? Um, so, what do you what do you make of this year's NBA tank fest, uh, Sean? Do you think it's going to continue, you know, next year, or do you think that lottery reform is going to kind of curb this as we move forward? You know, I, I still don't see. As long as there's some advantage in, in in losing down the stretch, even if it's a minor advantage, and they and they did come back on how much of an advantage it gives you, uh, but as long as there's some advantage. And I think you're going to see teams continue to do it. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, what else do you have to play for if you're Phoenix at this point, if you're Sacramento or, or whoever it is? You know, you've got to play for the best possible draft pick. And if, even if you're only giving yourself, uh, you know, an extra 5% chance here or there, uh, you know, that's 5%. You've got to take it. You've got, you got to increase your odds. So uh, I don't really see, unless they get rid of the lottery altogether, I don't, and I don't see them doing that. Uh, then, then, then I don't see them ending uh, tanking. And, and you know, you got to remember, look, tanking goes back uh, to to the '80s. You know, it goes it goes way back. Uh, you know, this is something that uh, uh, that is that has been going on in the league for 40 years. There's nothing you can do to stop it because uh, you know teams that aren't very good are going to look at the draft and say, all right, we've got to increase our chances, uh, and, and and that's really the only way they have to do it. You got there right on again. Stuck in the middle in this league is not a good thing. You need to be right. very bad or very good. Not in That's between, because right. that means you're going nowhere fast. 
aka the Atlanta Hawks. So, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so well, they, 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 they've got the uh, they've got the very bad part down down pretty well now. At least they didn't for a while, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they've got it down pat now. And, uh, and certainly, yeah, I, I, when I was making my list, I should have had buttonholes. They're certainly uh, uh, certainly up there as well. Hey, Sean, when I tell you this, when I saw the look on Travis Link's face and, and Mr. Russell's face when they won against Utah, the look was like, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> That's the look on their faces. What just happened yeah. here? Right. I'm like, I'm with you. What just happened? <laughs> you know, so bad. Hey, Sean, you're the best. Thank you for always coming on the show from John and myself. We love having your insights on the show, man. Keep doing your thing. Sport news, man. We love it. It's watching your work, brother. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Him all kind of platform here on Sirius XM Radio, Fox Sports Radio. He's the man. Got you in for knowledge. Russell Baxter. Russell, good to talk to you again, man. How we doing there, guys? All right, we're doing pretty good here. Just enjoying some off-season uh, football with the Falcons and the Atlanta Hawks tanking, man. <laughs> oh, I guess the good and the bad, huh? The Falcons, uh, not overly busy in free agency, but to me, that's usually a good sign. It's a team that's in, you know, in pretty solid shape. Yeah, and Matty Ice is waiting out Aaron Rodgers to see what he gets when he commits to a new deal. So, because uh, I, I got to try to tell some of the fans, Russell, if the Falcons wanted to do a deal with Matt Ryan, they could have done it and made the cap number so they can have, see if they wanted to have it. But obviously, they're that good. Well, they are. The Falcons are pretty much a good young set roster, and, and the draft is the best player available in the draft now, Russell. They don't have to go out there and just reach and get the best guy on the board. That's exactly right. Okay, I, you know it's funny because I just sent out a note on something. I think, I think people forget that last year. You know, it, it, I don't have to tell you guys the quote unquote Super Bowl hangover that everybody likes to talk about. Um, you know, the residue of what happened in Houston and so on. And yet, and yet, the only team from the NFC playoffs in 2016 to go back to the playoffs in 2017 were the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, sir. You're so correct. Only team I mean, we should, all, we, we should all be that hungover. You got that right. And you know what, Russell? And you can you can say, if if they called Julio Jones or interference on Julio Jones in his Philadelphia end zone, they may could win some bowl game this year. But Philadelphia won that game and went on that run with Nick Foles. So really, a, a call here or there, and a, a Matt Ryan missing an open tight end away from potentially Matt going to run again. Well, that's exactly right. I, 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 listen, you know, the New England Patriots kind of epitomize the current NFL. I mean, you just brought up the point of a play here and a play there. The reason the Patriots have been as successful as they have been is they usually make the play here and the play there. I mean, let's not get lost in the fact, listen, the Patriots have been to eight Super Bowls since 2001. They've won five of them, okay? Um, last year... That would be considered a blowout of the recent Patriots Super Bowls. That was the first one 
was still decided by single digits, eight points. I mean, think about the Patriots Super Bowls. One by three, one by three, one by three, lost by three, lost by four, one by four, one by six, lost by eight. Mm-hmm. You get and that right. tells you a play here and a play there. That's what the league is. You got that right. And the same kind of thing about telling basketball to Russell, it's a make or miss league. Like, if you make it, you win. You don't, you lose. So make or miss league. It's like football, a play here and a play there. So I'm glad you said it, Russell, because I try to tell our fans here, we have to look at it from what it is. Like, the fans have these big old, they call in these big old premonitions and wants. I was like, hey, we got to go by what's on the, on the field, look, look, look at the formations, look at the matchups, and look deeper than just who they're playing, it's the Falcons playing, whoever. Look at the matchups, le- learn about the set of the formation, the setups, the, the personnel groupings before you call up here to the Boss Man Show with these grand ideas that don't make any sense at all. <laughs> on each one of these transactions, they want to trade people, they can get you can't trade, they can't put on these. Also, I know you, you, you probably deal with it on Twitter as well, but we get that from calls. It's crazy, man. Well, I, I, listen, I've adopted a saying, okay? Um, just remember to keep this in mind, okay? Uh, we become a very knee-jerk reaction society when it comes to sports. Um, and never forget the word jerk is involved. Yes, you got that right. I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. Wholeheartedly agree, I agree with you on that. Now, I want to ask you about this, Russell. Dan Quinn came out and said that the new catch rules on calls more fumbles and harder hits on uh, receivers and whatnot. Do you feel like there will be unintended consequence of the new rule, more catches and, and more fumbles at the same time, and causing more harder hits? I, you know, I I don't know about that. I mean, listen, it, it, it's a bang, bang, bang play a lot of times, and so on. I can't see this be – listen, the, we have spent so much time – the fact that we're even still talking about – having to clarify the catch again is kind of remarkable, but it looks like, and, and listen, there's, you know, there's going to be something that happens that's going to be different from the rule. Okay. It's good. You know, go look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it. Okay. Um, but no, I, I, I have a hard time believing that. I mean, you would, you would have, that's one of those statements that somebody makes where you're going to have to come out and show me proof that that's what's going to happen. I mean, you know, so in other words, if some of these catches are made by the sidelines, someone's going to hit somebody harder by sidelines. Someone's going to hit somebody harder. But no, you know, I, I think that's a little bit of a reach, to be honest with you. Uh, let, let's just see how it plays out more than anything else. Exactly, and I'm with you there. And I thought this Russell, I thought Des Bryant catch, uh, Jesse James catch. Those should be touchdowns. And directly, once again, a play or two here and there, if just James catches Jets football's touchdown, Newlands might be at the number one seed. Maybe they're playing Jacksonville in Jacksonville, not playing in New England or Pittsburgh has, you know, a different matchup. So, like we just said earlier, it's a play here and there. It's a game of inches. It's a game of chance and just how the luck of the play is a little bit there. That's how close these games are when these teams are. Well, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, you, you've got to, you know, you go back to the end of the Pittsburgh game, and I get the Jesse James thing and all that. But on the other hand, it also kind of baffles me how the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger handled that afterwards. You know, they seemed uh, a little disjointed that, you know, why didn't they kick a field goal? 
I understand they wanted to go with the win. They looked a little panicked, for lack of a, of a better word. So, it, you know, again, go back to the Patriots and some of the better teams in the league. When when you get something like that that happens, you you know, you got to put it out of your mind and you got to move on. You know, bad call, even if they perfect the catch rule, which nothing's ever perfect, um, if you don't bounce back for, from something like that, you know, and don't show some resiliency when you kind of get a little screwed and all that. Um, you, you, you have to learn that things aren't always going to go your way, even if you're in the right. And I mean, I'll have to explain that to you. I'll have to explain to anybody who watches football and stuff. We see stuff all the time that doesn't get called or it's a bad call or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is not going to eliminate bad calls. Hopefully it just brings a little clarity to it. Exactly, Russell. And what this is what I do want to ask you about. Do you feel like the Al Riveron in New York over officiates about trying to actually reofficiate the play rather than just does it as a clear standard that it needs to be overturned or not? I feel like he did, earlier this year he was trying to re referee plays. In the playoffs, he kind of backed off. I feel like Roger Goodell maybe told him, May, man, back off. You know, let's not do it this way. So do you feel like the Al Riveron or another year in his job would be more like Blandino where he only overturns it when he, when he has to, not because he feels like he needs to redo the play from scratch after seeing it on the, on the screen in a big slow HD four or five times. Well, I, I, I kind of find it hard to believe that Roger Goodell was reaching out to him and saying, you know, let's keep it light, let's keep it light. I think you go back in playoff history, uh, even before there were uh, there was instant replay. And, you know, we actually had a league, there was an instant replay. And, I, you know, I think it's like playoff basketball. It's it it's different. It's it's officiated different. So you know it's and and the pace of the game is much different as well. So you know I don't want to get into conspiracy theories that Roger Goodell is you know doing this and doing that and so on. I mean you know I I, I think that's a little bit of a reach as well. But um, you know it's also the guy. Um, it's his first year on the job, and it's not an easy job as you know if you've been on the job for ten years. Got that right. I'm with you there. I am with you there, Russell. Now I ask you this, man. Uh, looking at the free agency here, do you like the fact that Kirk Cousins got a fully guaranteed deal from Minnesota and then more guys follow his footsteps trying to get a fully guaranteed deal? Or does part be as a thing for quarterbacks on a short-term deal where they being fully guaranteed? Well, I mean, listen, it's it's a big step. Um, it shows you the faith that Minnesota had in him. Uh, you know, he could be, you know, I don't want to get into the whole missing piece thing and so on, but I will say this here. This is a quarterback that has never had a running game, a consistent running game, and never had a quality defense like the Minnesota Vikings. So, you know, that's great that he got the guaranteed contract, but also a lot, as you know, is going to be expected of him. Listen, I, I hope that it does open the door. And it, I don't. Hopefully, this it, it's not limited to quarterbacks. Okay, I, I think that's one of the things that fans get a little turned off on and don't understand where the player comes from when these contract negotiations are going on. That that a, a contract can get terminated just like that, and um, you know that's why you, you see these guys holding out for more guaranteed money and, and you know, you, you see the Le'Veon Bell situation, you see the Aaron Donald situation and so on. They know that there could be a change of heart very, very quickly. You know, you sign a five-year deal, they could terminate it at two if they use. So, 
um, yeah, hopefully this changes things a little. Um, yeah, it's it, it's hard to say. It's only one. It's only one time. I mean, they've been guaranteed contracts in the past, but this is. I mean, we're talking about a you know three years, eighty plus million dollar deal. I mean, that's that's quite the guarantee. And also, I'll try to explain to our listeners here that most NFL contracts are one year, and then we'll see about it. It's year to year, it, or it's two years, fully guaranteed. If you look at all the info, injury and skill, all that, I don't want to confuse everybody, but most of them are one year or two year guarantees. Then we'll, then we'll see about it. And it's, and it's year by year with the teams at the team's discretion, what team option we're using our roster bonus as the thing to, to trigger it. And, you know, this is, I love trying to, I love having somebody like, you, like yourself on because you understand the language of the game that I have the way I do. And you can help the listeners maybe hear it a different way than I, than John and myself would say it to them on, on a regular, on a basis on the show each week, you know. So glad to have you on to share that with, with our listeners here. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think fans – and I listen, I don't blame them. I mean, trying to figure out the salary cap in the NFL, no thank you. You know, I, I leaned to John Clayton. You know, he was when I was at ESPN, he was he was the king. I mean, he understood it uh, left and right and so on. You know, and, and, and contracts in general, for instance, you know, and maybe this isn't exactly what you're talking about, but, you know, it's timely because, again, it's Le'Veon Bell. He's one of the guys, you know. Uh, out there, exclusive franchise tag that they're not going to negotiate right now. They're going to wait till afterwards and so on. You know, a lot of people are comparing, well, you know, Todd Gurley got this and Leonard Fournette got this and, you know, are they as good as him and blah, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I get all that. But the, what you have to understand about Le'Veon Bell's situation is also this. Todd Gurley and Leonard Fournette were first-round draft choices, which means they signed a four-year deal for pretty decent, and in fact, I think Leonard Fournette's contract was $27 million with the fifth-year option, okay? First-year, um, first-round draft choices get the four-year contract with the fifth-year option. As you will remember, before 2011, it was a five-year contract, okay? And, you know, remember all the money, remember all the money Sam Bradford made in 2010? Hadn't even taken the field. He's one of the highest-paid players ever, and so on. See, now, now you take Le'Veon Pell. Le'Veon Bell was a second-round pick in 2013. He signed a four-year, roughly $4 million contract. Now, think about that, okay? Now, last year he played under the tag, which he like basically tripled his earnings in one year. So what Le'Veon Bell is trying to do, besides get a fair contract, and he's a unique player, he touched the ball 406 times last year, okay, uh, you know, between, what, 321 Carries 85 catches. That's you know that's a pretty healthy year. But what I'm trying to say is, Le'Veon Bell's what he's trying to do is get his big contract now, and especially the running back because more than likely there won't be a third big contract for a running back. They can be there can be second big contracts for an offensive lineman, even a third big contract for an offensive lineman. There are no third big contracts for a running back. That's so true, Russell, because that market is so suppressed. You can draft the guy in the fifth round or sixth round and have him plug him in there. The running, running, running back market and how running backs are used are pretty much, hey, we can replace you with somebody cheaper mm-hmm. real fast. Well, and, and again, also where you get selected, okay? I mean, this is a this is probably a very different story. I mean, you look at Le'Veon Bell's career, and, you know, I'm, I'm willing to bet some people thought he was a first-round draft choice when you look what he has done. Okay, um, but the fact that he's a second-round draft choice 
is why they're, he's looking for the big payday because this is his contract to set him up uh, for the rest of his life. And players think about that. They are thinking about the rest of their lives because they understand the fragility of the job. And last one I got for you, Russell, before we get out of here in this segment here, uh, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman, uh, the, talking about Dimitrov has said he wants to pay Tevin Coleman uh, a nice contract. Do you think that's why the Falcons use up cap space to sign Tevin Coleman? Is he is he worth maybe a $6 million to $5 million contract to back up Devontae Freeman because he does play more in, the, in our spread packages? He's a good guy. He can split out wide as well. So do you think Dimitrov is just saying that or is this a real option to actually have him back as the, as the backup at $5 million doing multiple things in the offense? Well, that's a tough situation. As you know, that's a very, very tough thing to do, okay, is to pay two running backs, you know, and I don't know if he's saying the same money and so on, but contract. Listen, it all depends on how your team is structured, okay? Um, Is this a team that relies more on uh, Freeman and Coleman than to do the tight ends? Obviously, Julio Jones is a big factor. Um, Somebody's going to have to bend here a little. That's what we know, Okay. But I, I think he is sincere in there because I think the Falcons have a unique situation. Sometimes you find, you know, it's it's a shame. Sometimes you get punished for being good, okay? You know, I go back to Dallas a couple of years ago, the year that both DeMarco Murray and Des Bryant's contracts were up. It just so happened that Des Bryant led the NFL in touchdown receptions that year, and DeMarco Murray led the NFL in rushing that year, okay? So what do you do? You can't you can't break necessarily the bank with both of them. You can pay them both well, but you know they made the decision obviously to keep Des Bryant and Demarco Murray walked and um, actually he's been you know the, the Eagles didn't really use him, but he, the, you know, the Titans got two respectable years out of him to say the least. So um, sometimes again, sometimes you get punished for developing good players. And the Falcons have developed two very, very good running backs who really complement each other. You got there right, Russell. I thank you for you coming on the show today. I love, I always love talking to you. love hearing your knowledge, man. You, you one of the best guys in the business with football knowledge, man. Keep it the good work. Let's all talk to you real soon, man. You got it, sir. Keep it going. All right. What's the best of people on the boss man show. This beat is so, so rich, Man, show going up to New York, New Jersey, the tri-state area where it's probably cold as it is where I'm at here in Minnesota right now. To my man who shovels like no other, it's Tony T-Ball Williams. What's good, brother? The show snuffler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, brother. How you doing? I'm good, man. Enjoying it. March Madness is about to c- close it down. Hawks about to close it down. Vacations right down the road, brother. <laughs> You're almost free, man. Almost home free. Yes, indeed, man. Bone, I got to get guy to talk to you about the Knicks, man. As you know, I got friends on the Knicks roster, as you know. Um, <laughs> Christian Lyles this season for me, for the Knicks, man. Like, 
they what, what do they want to accomplish this year, and how far are they off their goal? What they want to accomplish this year? Well, I mean, the, at the beginning of the year, of course, their goal was to be competitive. You know, they had they had Chris Tapps, who was healthy, and now the man in charge. Then, of course, the narrative shifted once they lost him for the year of the 20th uh Then it became you know, just a tankathon. But the funny thing about the Knicks, though, that the Knicks can't even tank right. They're now three and three in the last six games, and they're and these guys are playing hungry and and they're playing hard, and that's not what Mills and Perry had in mind uh, because they wanted, and I know they won't say it on record, but obviously they wanted to get a higher pick in the draft or or higher chance of ping pong balls. But here they are now, three and three, last six games. Trey Burks on fire, and as of right now today, they have the ninth. Uh, worst record in the NBA, which is not good enough to get a really bona fide star in all rankings. So right now, they're kind of like in, in between, almost like purgatory, where they want to play hard. Because, you know, you know, you know as well as I do, being around players and athletes and being in locker rooms, players who play want to win. They don't care about the whole tanking thing. Tanking comes from up, up top, from management, from coaching. So it's, it's funny to see how it works out that Perry and Mills want the team to tank secretly, but the players are, are, aren't having that. Exactly. As you know, I'm around tanking every day. And I see <laughs> it's a player thing because it's the Utah Jazz. I know personally that there are people in the hospital organization who won't admit this on the record or say it out loud. Or I hate that I will say it myself. They want them losers to Utah Jazz. But then the shooter had a career night scoring 40-some points and beat the Utah Jazz that night. Now, yeah. <laughs> losing, losing Sacramento on Golden State help and Houston help, yeah. But that's the one that's one less loss. And now Memphis at 19 wins. You got Phoenix at 19 wins. You're, you're at 21 wins. You probably use the one less win to help you get that higher draft pick. You want many people out as you can. Atlanta Hawks, you can't really sign guys to play in Atlanta right now. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, as you said, you know, players play to win no matter what because players can't count on tanking because their jobs are always on the line. They're always being evaluated. And so even if they're not on the team they're tanking for, other personnel, other GMs around the league see these guys. And if they see these guys dogging and tanking it, they don't, got, they don't have a job next year on the team. So it's funny to watch the Knicks how a guy like Trey Burke almost single-handedly won that game last night in Charlotte, uh, gave a you know, career higher 42 points, uh, and it kind of messed up things. It's a good thing for the Knicks, though, the matter that they lost in overtime to Charlotte. But there, I'm sure there's some worried 50 people in management for the Knicks watching that game saying, Trey, please stop scoring. Exactly. And so Trey Burke, is, is, this, is he a guy that's for the future for the Knicks, and who are some other guys the front office identify as cornerstones of this program going forward? Well, I, I'd imagine that, of course, Chris Daff is, uh, is still the man on the roster, but who knows how a guy returns from ACL injury, you know, because big men are different. Big men with, with, you know, a lower body injuries, who knows how they react to it going forward. But I don't think uh, Porzingis is still the number one guy. Uh, Burke has to figure in, in the future because he is absolutely, without a doubt, the best point guard on this roster. Now, I'm not sure what that means for guys like Moutier and Jared Jack and, and then Frank Nielakina because this guy came from the G League and is tearing it up. 
So so let's say about the players on your roster, but Burke absolutely is the best point guard on the team, the best point guard in this city, all due respect to guy named Dinwiddie for the Nets. Trey Burke right now is playing the best point guard right now in New York City. Uh, so to me, I see he has to be part of the equation going forward. Uh, but there aren't a lot of building blocks on the team. I mean, for Zingas, maybe Burke, uh, Hardaway is still coming back on court next year because his salary is too big, and probably Cancer. And then after that, of course, Nilkina because he's a first-round pick. So after that, it's pretty much up in the air. And Jeff Hornacek, uh, is he a dead man walking bone because Perry and Mills want their own man and want to get rid of the last inch of Phil Jackson? you you got to almost think that this is probably it for, for Hornacek. And it's really no fault of his own because he was put in a bad spot from day one uh, being Phil's guy and being forced at the triangle from day one. Uh, it was pretty much a mismatch uh, anyway because you think, you think about Hornacek and his career as a coach whether in Utah or in Phoenix, he loves three-guard offenses. He loves up-tempo, three-point shooting. And that's the antithesis of the triangle. Triangles are, are the stayed, slow it down, you know, uh, a simple post kind of offense where they don't shoot a lot of threes. So it really was a, a mismatch from day one. So I kind of feel that with Hornacek, kind of put in a bad spot. But like you said, he's not a Perry or Mills' guy. So it would be easy for those guys to say, you know what, we're going a different direction. And also it would help the fact that he's had that battle with Noah. Uh, you saw him getting screened on by Kyle O'Quinn. Uh, so it, it, it's just, it's, it looks like it's coming to an end soon. And I really don't blame Hornsick for his next because he came to a bad spot anyway. And is the hot name Mama, there goes that man, Mark Jackson, the shimmy shake, 24-second <laughs> back downer? If you ask every Knicks fan over the last 10 years, who do they want to be their head coach? It's unquestionably Mark Jackson. Uh, I, I know for a fact that Mark wants this job. Uh, he's always wanted this job. Unfortunately, Dolan has never brought him in really for serious consideration for, for some unknown reason. Uh, it, it's baffling why Dolan never really gave it a, 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 any real thought. But if you ask every New York Knicks fan, uh, Mark Jackson is their guy. That's how they want. They they wanted uh, Jeff Van Gundy to come back. That wasn't going to happen because that bridge is almost bay palms. They wanted Thibodeau to come in back, come back because he was an assistant coach on Jeff Van Gundy's staff once. That wasn't happening. So next best choice obviously is Mark Jackson. He's homegrown. He is a former Nick. Dolan always says once a Nick, always a Nick. Uh, so this is a match made in head. So Mark Jackson, people forget this now because of how glorious the Warriors are. That's Mark Jackson's team. Mark Jackson really gave the, the blueprint to the Warriors. Steve Kerr piggybacked off that and Golden State. But, but those are Mark Jackson's guys pretty much, save for Durant. Uh, I mean, this, the system that's in place was a Mark Jackson envision. So Mark Jackson is a, a very good basketball mind. He's, uh, he's also well-respected around the NBA and in the locker room still. Players still know him because, thank God, because of his, his broadcasting work, players still know him today. He's still relevant in their eyes. But it makes total sense. I hope it happens. I don't want to say that I want to get, get fired with his job. I don't want to root for coach losing their job. But if Cornsec is done, I definitely want Mark Jackson in, in that post. I mean, Bone, you, Ashley, you, you, you do root for a coach being fired, an unnamed coach that I won't mention. You do root for him to be fired. <laughs> I, 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 I'll amend that. Uh, I, 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 I don't say publicly that I want coach to get fired. 
but there are some guys that don't need to be coaching anymore in the league. <laughs> there you go. My man. Talking to T-Bow Williams on the Boston Show with me. Now, Bone, uh, what were the Jets thinking with this trade with the coach going to three spots, giving up three second round picks from 98 players? Uh, <laughs> their roster is trash at best <laughs> and gar- garbage at best. So what was the thinking around fleecing all three picks for moving up to three spots? I don't get it. Well, the thinking is they love one of the three quarterbacks, and that's it. It's, uh, I, I got to figure it's going to be Donald going to Cleveland number one, and then it's going to be a battle for the Jets in the front office. Who would they go for, Rosen or Allen? The Giants pick second. The Giants are absolutely not beholden to getting a quarterback at number two. They can go any myriad of ways or even trade out of that pick. So what you're left with for the Jets is they're going to have that pick between Josh Allen or Josh Rosen. And I, I would imagine – that they seen this story before with a big, strong arm quarterback who's not accurate. They already have one in Rother and Hackenberg. I can't imagine liking Josh Allen so much to move up and give all that capital for a guy whose percentages in college are erratic as best. I know he's a big, strong guy. They play here in Jersey. The wind's always swirling. His arm is suited for this arm effect-wise. But accuracy, it worries me. So I can't imagine them going for for Allen. I I I think that Rosen is probably the best of their of their lot. To me, Rosen is the best QB in the entire draft. Uh, but you know, there's so many things outside football that worry personnel people. So I'm not sure the Jets will also click that because you know Rosen is a very liberal, outspoken kind of guy. Woody Johnson is a Trump guy. So don't let that fool you. That does play it until thinking of the Jets, to have a guy who's so outspoken politically where, where GM says this guy might be distracted, which is BS. The, the kid is focused on football, but you know how GMs are. They're, they're cavemen. They think that QB can only think of football only and not break down into other things in his life. But the, I get the question as far as moving up from six to three. They only like three quarterbacks, and they figure they're going to get one of their favorites at that three. Now, it, it's kind of reckless of Bowles to tell us the other day that he thinks that there are six or seven worthy players to pick at that position. Now, if that is true, which I think it's not, I think he's lying to us, but if that is true, why treat out of that sixth spot then anyway? And if you think there are six or seven franchise guys, why not hold on to your capital, stand pat at six, and pick the best player available? So that was a lie. So they obviously want a quarterback as they go on that route. Now, Bone, you got... Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, Hackenberg, Perry, uh, being Petty rather, and uh, another quarterback. That's five quarterbacks on the roster, man. Now, <laughs> what, what what how does how does roulette shake out, man? Oh, that's easy. They're going to definitely get rid of Hackenberg. Uh, they're probably going to test the waters on on, on, uh, on Petty and see if there's any kind of value. For him, the trade market, maybe a six or, or high seven. Uh, they're going to try that. But definitely bringing bring in McCown and Bridgewater as a bridge guy. Uh, who knows? They might start goal with Bridgewater. One-year deal, $5 million. If he was a starting job, that is one of the best values in the NFL. To have a starting QB only earn $5 million as well below market value. So if they can find a way to get Bridgewater healthy and maintain him and get him that starting job, then having a count 
groom the new guy coming in, whether it's Allen or Rosen, they're kind of set that way to build from within to have the veterans lead the way. Now, who knows? Bridgewater might strike gold this year and play out of his mind and play above his knees as Case Keenan did last year in Minnesota and get a bigger contract. But if even that happens, Bridgewater is probably not coming back then. Uh, this is this is a move where they're going to trim the fat on the, the QB room. I can't see Hacker or Penny surviving that next up. Man, so also is is Miles McCagan and uh, Tyler Bowles, dead men walking in eighteen. Are they just going through the motion to, to do this for the next regime, or does Christopher Johnson really give them a chance to see this through? No, I honestly think that for the first time in a long time, the Jets are going to favor stability. And they're going to give uh, McCagnan and Bowles some leeway, some leash. Because remember last year, Woody Johnson, before he started to work for Trump's campaign or, or Trump's office, uh, he said that he doesn't believe in swapping coaches so quickly like this anymore because it's not the way they win in the NFL. You need continuity. And really, Bowles has been given a short deck for almost his entire career as a coach of the Jets. Uh, the roster has always been gutted. They always had young players come in, cheap young labor. So this is finally a time where Chris Johnson, now acting as the, the owner, the guy in charge, he's going to give McCagney and Bowles a lot of room, I think. I don't see him getting rid of either of those two guys. They're kind of tied together as a package deal anyway. So I don't see McCagney or Bowles going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, because we did see some improvement in this team. I know they went 5-11 last year, only five wins. That's not good enough. We know that. But the roster wasn't good enough either. So they're finally trying to give them a good roster to work with and then see what happens. Yeah, and why did the Jets put off for the suit? Were they trying to save face before Sue went to L.A.? What was that all about? Oh, it's one of those things where you're out and you're out, you know, out about town and you see this beautiful woman, right? <laughs> and you give her your phone number and then you kind of exchange numbers, you know, kind of flirt a little bit. And then you kind of get the vibe that's not into you. So then you free up there going to say, you know what? I'm an her anyway, so I'm going to call her back. That's what the Jets did. The Jets were like free up things for heartbreak. They knew that Sue was not coming to, to New York. So to preempt that embarrassment, they say, you know what? We don't want him anyway. So that, that's all it was because they knew that Sue wasn't coming here. That's what's up. It's my man, Target T. Bone Williams, breaking down the New York sports scene for you as only he can. Bone, hey. I enjoyed landing this season, bro. Tank Palooza. Sorry that the Knicks are not taking good enough. The Hawks are taking good enough either. So we both got two teams we don't know how to tank right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so Knicks to them. It's so Knicks to not tank right. And now they hold a nice nice overall pick right, as right now in the end of today. It's just so Knicks to them to not go full-on tank after Bozingas went down. So now we 3-3 three and three last six games and now playing pretty good ball down the stretch. That's so Knicks to them. Very much so, folks. That's Tony T Bone Williams. Follow me at T Bone Eight. We are out.